Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Total Athlete Podcast brought to you by Athletes in Action. For more information on how you can learn about developing the total athlete in Canada, visit athletesinaction.ca, and in the United States, visit athletesinaction.org. I'm your host, Herbie Kuhn. Today, we are excited to welcome a special guest to the podcast. If you are a tried and true hoops fan, as a matter of fact, even if you're a casual hoops fan, this man almost needs no introduction. But you know what? We're going to give him one anyways. Alan Houston is currently the Vice President of Player Development and Leadership for the New York Knicks, as well as the President of the Alan Houston Legacy Foundation and the founder of Fizzle, which he's going to talk about today, which stands for Faith, Integrity, Sacrifice, Leadership, and legacy. Allen's NBA journey saw him picked 11th overall out of Tennessee by Detroit in 1993, and after three seasons with the Pistons, he signed on with the New York Knickerbockers, with whom he spent nine additional seasons. A two-time NBA All-Star, Allen also helped the USA win gold at the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, Australia. More important than any of that, though, he and his wife, Tamara, have been married for over 23 years. Woohoo! That's a touchdown right there. And they have seven children. He loves his wife, he loves his children, and he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Alan, welcome. I feel like I'm supposed to like do something physical right now. <laughs> you got me amped, <laughs> That's how it goes. When you get when you get introduced by me, you got to feel like you got to put it. your hands in the air or something <laughs> like that. It's so great have you here today brother how are things going for you pretty good pretty good i mean i'm i'm i've gotten past that whole thing of saying you can't complain because nobody wants to hear it nobody wants nobody's gonna listen and what we really shouldn't be in that complaining mode anyway mm -hmm. right as bad mm -hmm. as as things are you know i'm blessed i'm extremely blessed you know to, to have spent this time with my family over the last year um you know god is always re revealing new things and new opportunities and that's what I'm looking for. And that is, those are some of the things that we're definitely going to spend some time talking about today. But Alan, to begin today's interview, today's podcast, I'd like to throw a couple of tough questions your way, if I might, you know, start things off with a little bit of a challenge for you. Where are you from and what's your favorite food? Where are you <laughs> well, from? The first, the first, one, is not the first one should be pretty easy. First one's easy, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Woohoo! Um, you know, home of people might know of Muhammad Ali, yeah. uh, the Kentucky Derby, um, you know, Louisville, the basketball, um, for, uh, of which I was a big part of growing up. Um, favorite food, is, uh, my first favorite food was whatever my wife is cooking. Oh, that's um, a good answer right there. You know, and then, then I'll go with just uh, a, a pizza, oatmeal is a good one. Oatmeal. Um, and, and sushi. So I can't pick one and, don't, and, and I'm not going to eat those all in the same meal. <laughs> if the pizza was the appetizer, the oatmeal, the main course and the sushi dessert, that would be something else right there. Right. Wouldn't it? Oh, that's fantastic. You've picked a, you've picked a couple of great ones though. The answer of your wife's food, whatever she makes being your favorite one. There's a reason you've been married for 23 years. That's right. You're a smart man. You're a smart man. Indeed. And she's a good cook too. <laughs> I look forward to hopefully tasting the benefits of that, that those endeavors one day. Listen, Alan, I want to touch on that Louisville upbringing that you just referenced there. I read in a piece that you recently wrote for the players, <clears throat> I 
spectacular website, spectacular piece of writing. And I quote, Grand Avenue in the West End of Louisville was my first home. That was my neighborhood, my world, and my identity. Would you unpack that for us, please? Put a lot of thought into that, you know, when I wrote that. Um, when you go to the Muhammad Ali Museum, hmm. uh, there's a red bicycle where Grand Avenue is in, in that exhibit. And the red bicycle is a bike that Muhammad Ali um, was stolen from him. And it triggered his passion for, for fighting and boxing. Hmm. And that bike is under a sign named Grand Avenue in Louisville, Kentucky. That's the street I grew up on. Um, my mother and Ali and my uncle and, and Muhammad Ali, then Cassius, uh, were family friends. My grandmother and his mother, Miss Clay. Uh, I, of course, I didn't know him or anything about it at the time, but hearing the heritage and hearing the stories, um, hearing, and then me, you know, I do remember growing up on that street, uh, the West End of Louisville is, is now um, not what it was. It was kind of a lower middle class at the time. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, with redlining and a lot of things that have happened, the disparity between the economic gap between blacks and whites um, in our country in the South and specifically in Louisville, uh, we saw that. Um, and so when my father got the assistant head co assistant coaching job at the University of Louisville, when I was seven years old, we moved to a different part of Louisville. But I always see Grand Avenue in the West End as where I really, my identity, you know, um, my father was a high school coach at Mayo High School, at mm -hmm. Aaron's High School. Um, and I just really, you know, I'm proud to be uh, part of Louisville Kentucky and that be part of my identity. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. The fact that you grew up on the same street that Muhammad Ali did at that time, Cassius Clay. Now, obviously he was somewhat older than you, but I hope you never attempted to pick a fight with him or anything like that. He didn't go, hey, big fella, let's go. Well, I asked my father that sometimes. I said, did you ever <laughs> just mess around and like slap box and just joke? Like, don't you just, this? and uh, you know, he would always talk about how you know, he would, how Muhammad Ali would, would say, hey, what you doing with Alice? That's my little, that's my little sister. It's almost like you mm. should have been my girlfriend. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he tells that story a lot. And, uh, but never, never did I, you know, even think about it. Now, when I was two years old, I probably would, I, I might've, you know, threw up a jab or something, but I'm sure he would have caught it. <laughs> I have a feeling he probably would have intercepted that one pretty quickly. <laughs> you referenced in, in your comments there, Alan, about the race relations and red line and economic disparity. I'm curious to know, eventually, you know, fast forward a few years, your education, when you went to Tennessee, you ended up um, graduating with a degree in African American studies. Was that pursuit of that, that realm of education was that a result at all of all of your upbringing and those experiences growing up are those connected well my uh pursuit of getting my uh, undergraduate de degree in african-american studies wasn't a result of so much the social impact of what we experienced although uh it was present uh 
my my family, my uncles, great uncles, grandparents, all were from a lot of educators. Uh, mm. My parents, my wife got a master's in education. Uh, my mother-in-law, uh, my father-in-law uh, was a dentist. Uh, so my great uncle, I would always to ask me how my English was. My grandmother taught me how to do math. So for me, it was a matter of what are you going to get your degree in, in four years? Mm. Now, by the time I was a junior and I started off in math and I started off in, uh, and I got to this calculus three class and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be me. <laughs> and then I said, you know, I, I, I'm at that point. I knew I, I had a good chance of playing professional. I wanted to get my degree in four years. And I met with the head of the African-American studies department and it just really intrigued me. And I didn't know, you know, what that what would become of it, where it would be useful. Um, but as we know, you know, understanding the history of our nation and mm. how uh, the economic disparagement, how the, the identity of our nation uh, is still in flux. And mm. uh, it, it really makes me look back and, and appreciate some of the things that I, that I learned. Fantastic. Fantastic. Appreciation is a big deal, isn't it? To be able to understand and appreciate where you've come from and how that influences you moving forwards. Thank Absolutely. you for those. Thank you for those insights. Now, touching on that Louisville upbringing, touching on that, given its foundational role in your upbringing, was that where your faith journey began and, and where it developed while you were growing up on Grand Avenue? Well, yes. When I growing up in you know in Louisville, uh, my we went to a church uh, in the west end of Louisville, uh, a Walnut Street Baptist Church. And growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, your family may not have been a church attendees every Sunday, but it was part of the culture, right? It was just part of the culture where on Sundays you just you either went to church or you knew someone that was in church. <laughs> and fortunately our family was one that we were in church and those seeds that, that are sown, that are planted at a young age, eventually uh, they get negotiated in the soil of your soul, right? When you, when you, as you get older. And by the time I was 14, 15, I started to understand I had a gift, I had a talent. Um, I really loved playing basketball. I was, I, I just love getting better. And I would just go out to the parks and just play with whoever, go to camp. I was always in basketball camps. Um, and then you get to a point where you start to get a little bit of recognition. You start to figure out, you know, I might be okay at this, this thing here. Um, and that was a time where God was kind of pulling me. So when we would be in church on Sundays, I would always start to feel this inclination to go up and just say, you know what? I really believe in the gospel. I really believe that God is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did. And I started to understand the significance of that. Um, and so when I was 15 years old, I went up before the church and I just said, I wanna be a Christian. I believe in this gospel. Mm -hmm. I believe that he died for my sins. And uh, I went through a stage after that, though, where I didn't really have the discipleship. Mm -hmm. I didn't have uh, the, the spiritual mentoring that I think is so important at a young age. And that's why, you know, young people and 
youth ministry and sports ministry is so important uh, mm. to me because I knew that I, that was a stage in my life where you feel like you're on the team, but you're like, I'm not really playing. I'm not effective. I'm not productive. And it's, it's really that, that spiritual coaching and mentorship that I, that I needed. And I think it's so important. It's so important for a basketball player in terms of their development on the court and being able to move to the next level. And I love your line there a few moments ago about, I loved getting better. And yeah. how much more so is that crucial in terms of our spiritual growth and our spiritual development in the same way we need coaches for our basketball or whatever our given sport is, we certainly need coaches, mentors in the faith growth realm as well. So around the age of 15 or so, you would say was when that transition that transaction took place and you made up, got up in front of the congregation and made that public yeah. declaration of, yeah. I believe in the gospel. I believe in Jesus. And then yeah. that's, that's just spectacular. Alan, it is yeah. so encouraging uh, to hear that foundational piece in place from your mid teens onwards. And even with the absence of the, maybe that coaching, that discipleship, it's still stuck in there, those seeds stuck in there, and they've continued to grow to what they are today. Spectacular. Every athlete listening to this podcast, Alan, knows about the importance of their game day routine. Game day routine. Whether it's the things you eat, uh, the route you take to get to the playing venue, uh, the order you put your uniform on in, uh, in the course of some teams, you know, are you on the first bus or the second bus, that type of thing, the specific timing of your prep. Looking back on your playing career, which was a substantial one, I know that pregame chapels were a part of your routine, a crucial part. Can you tell us why and what chapels meant to you? I mean, which ones? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you probably attended hundreds over the years. So if you drew out one, that would be pretty impressive. But, but, but for, for the listener, while, while no, you I think about it. that question, for our listeners, um, yes. every NBA team has a chaplain or a couple of chaplains that are part of the fabric of the team. And it is customary over the last 30, 35 years or so, about an hour before tip-off for a small gathering of players who are welcome from both teams to get together for about 10 to 15 minutes and hear a short devotional from God's word from a team chaplain. And I know firsthand that that was a, an important part of your pregame routine. So yeah, again, tell us, why was that important? Yeah. No, I, I think, I think um, you know, I went through a stage again um, from high school to probably my moments into New York where I was really just still you know, searching. Even though I knew who I was in Christ, you still need the tools and equipment and training. Uh, so when I got to University of Tennessee, I had a couple of people uh, that would try to you know, talk to me and mentor me. And I just, you know, I listened, but it just didn't, it wasn't sticking. So I knew that as you start to progress and you start to go to different levels in your life, uh, the stakes are higher, right? The decisions you make are, are more significant. Uh, now you're a professional, you have a lot of, uh, you're just at a different level. And I knew that I, my spiritual journey and growth needed to be tended to. Um, so chapel, you know, pregame chapel was a way I think for me to receive 
some godly wisdom, uh, receive the word of God uh, in a consistent way. You knew that it was going to be there available to you every every game before every game uh, where you're traveling a lot. Um, you know, you didn't have a lot of the technology where you could just tune into devices and listen to a sermon mm -hmm. as, as frequently. So this was a way to really connect uh, before a game, like you said, with it didn't matter who it could be other uh, opposing players, your own players. And it was really to get fed and get edified and get spiritually nourished. Um, and even though it was right before a game, it, it just anytime you receive the word of God, it's it 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 encourages your soul. And it's something that that it's like water when you're hydrated. Right. And you have to stay hydrated. You don't just wait until you're like, oh, man, I'm so thirsty because I haven't been drinking my water. Like, you know, it was it was a way for that to happen. And it was really encouraging. And so it became part of, you know, a routine for me. Uh, and I'm glad that I have people like Charlie Ward and other people on my mm -hmm. teams uh, to really uh, show me that that's available. That's an interesting analogy about the hydration element. When you're an athlete, if you're feeling dehydrated, it's probably too late. <laughs> you, you waited too long to take in your fluids. And in the same way, spiritually, with Jesus being the ultimate thirst quencher, come to me and you will, you know, have Jesus and you'll never thirst again when we're feeling spiritually dehydrated. The good news is, though, it's not too late. It's not too right. late. We can still we can still go back and, and grab onto him and have him affect our future, our current and future circumstances. That's spectacular. And you know what? Praise God for uh, men like Charlie Ward and others who influenced you in that regard early on yeah. in your career to make sure that that was a part of your pregame prep routine. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Today... When the average fan thinks about an NBA player or perhaps a professional athlete in general, their minds usually go in a set direction. The money or the notoriety, the lifestyles that most of us could never even dream of living. Part of your role with the Knicks is guiding players. Sometimes, let's be honest here, sometimes they're teenagers, for goodness sakes. Sometimes they're teenagers or, or young men in their early 20s through life in New York City of all places. <laughs> Would you please break down for our audience listening today something that they might not necessarily realize and what's challenging about being a professional athlete today? Well, I think, first of all, you got to realize that a human being is a human being. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, a human, we're all made up of, you know, we're, we're not just, it's not just our physical talent and ability, you know, our size and our makeup. Uh, it is the psychology, um, uh, the way we think, the way we perceive, but we all do have a soul and a spirit. And what, what happens, I think, is as an athlete, so much emphasis is placed on the outer, the material, mm. um, you know, what we're able to do in the physical that sometimes uh, we when those things are weighted so much on the material and what we can produce and how we look on the external that we tend to not uh, nourish the inside, the internal. Mm. So no matter who you are, what you do, I, I, I have, have a saying uh, that winning is a mindset and leadership is a lifestyle and impact is eternal. Mm. And that winning is not just a result of a score, but it's about a mindset. It's the way you think, it's the way you approach it. It's the way you perceive life, perceive yeah. yourself. So that if, if I'm, whether I'm a LeBron James 
where I'm able to mix my physical gifting and talent with this drive and mentality doesn't matter you know what what you've been given on the outside and your talent it's it's really how you what you do with it mm-hmm. and the challenge is that you think that because of someone's a professional athlete that they get that they have this god-given gift that is easy or or it's it's so comfortable uh for them to manage what they're doing with it on the inside mm-hmm. and that's not all that's not the case it takes it takes a lot so you know, I think athletes deal with the same things. It's just at a, at a higher level. You have millions of people trying to validate you or invalidate you uh, that have an opinion, have a voice. And I think from when I played, I didn't I didn't have to, you know, respond, hear it or even see it. You know, I could open up yeah. a newspaper or not even open it at all. Um, now it's it's you get an alert on your phone. And before you even want to look at what you want to look at, you see this information that you don't even really want to or need to. Or it's not healthy for you. Yeah. Um, and so you it, it it's not um, it's not as easy to manage. Right. And I think our world in general, because we can communicate in a certain way, we become insensitive uh, to maybe what our impact of our words or our thoughts may really be. You know, we don't really think about them as much. Um, and so we don't become conscious or, or maybe, um, you know, even empathetic to those things. And so I just feel like, you know, it's helped me to see the importance of, of my words and my thoughts and of my actions. Um, because it doesn't matter what, who you are, what you do, everybody has, has the, has, uh, is a human. Yeah. And we all, we all can either celebrate or hurt accordingly. Right. It's interesting when you think of the effect that even the words of one person can have on an individual's psyche or confidence. uh, I can't imagine what it would be like to see your name, you know, drop down on an ESPN alert or something like that about the garbage game you played the night before. Uh, So that's definitely, definitely difficult. And thank you for bringing that to our a greater understanding for the average fan watching out there. I'd like to transition a little bit from Alan, from the basketball side to the family side of things. There are a lot of husbands or dads out there who are uh, sold out for their marriages. They're committed to being, you know, like the t-shirt says, number one dad, best dad ever. So for you as a husband with, you know, nearly a quarter century of experience under your belt, seven children mercy that's phenomenal right there what difference does christ make in other words how does your christian faith that decision you made when you were 15 how does your christian faith inform your role as a husband and a dad it it ultimately means everything because it gives you perspective i believe life so much of life if, if, if not life in general is about perspective it's how you see your role in it, your place in it. So as a father, you first of all see, uh, and as a husband, you first of all see that that I'm a partner. Um, you know, I'm a co-laborer, I'm a partner as a, as a father with my wife or in, and with the mother of my children. I'm a partner first. I have to be on the same page. I have to be aligned. We, we may disagree, but, you know, if, you, if you're part of any organization or school or team, you understand 
that when things are in order and alignment at the top, then it sets a tone and a standard and a culture. So I we, we try to take that approach knowing that we're not always, I never saw my parents like really, really go at it, hmm. right? I mean, I know they did, you know, because they're, they're still, you know, uh, together and healthy, you know, uh, by the grace of God. And I took that and I'm like, you know, I look back and I'm like, I don't remember them having a really, really bang out, you know, and, and I'm like, I know they did, but it was, it was intentional that they didn't let that seep over and spill over into to our lives. And I, I remember that my wife and I, you know, we try our best, you know, to mm-hmm. emulate that. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that Christ does, it just, it gives you this perspective that it, this whole thing is bigger than me. You know, even Paul said it in Acts 20, it said, you know, I I don't really consider my life anything. Mm. I, all I consider is that the, that I'm completing the task, mm. you know, that, that I'm assigned to. Mm. So I, I see that when I feel tired or when I don't feel like doing something, I have to immediately check myself. And like, is that who who are you? Who is that for you? Mm. Or, or is it for, you know, your your one of your seven or your wife who they don't care how you feeling right now. They need, they need something from you. And I don't feel like I have the, um, shouldn't have the audacity, um, to just say, well, it's not about what you need. It's not about it's what you need. I'm, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling away right now. Mm. And so that's a mindset. Um, and the other thing is because of my travel and my schedule, I have to cherish three or four seconds of a conversation of an interaction that may mean something very big. Like it doesn't take 20 minutes to make an impact. It could take three seconds. Yeah. It could be something you said, something you did, you know, it could be a hug when somebody needed it. Um, accountability. It could be a chastising. It'd be anything when they, when it needs to be happening. I've had to learn that because my life is very inconsistent, you know, with time and, and things. So, I have to make sure that every second that I'm mindful of that. And the last thing is I'll just say that um, Christ helps me understand that why are we here? Mm. Like we're not here for ourselves. Our bodies are not, our lives are not our own. We were bought at a price. So what I understand is that um, my job is to have an eternal perspective. Christ gives us an eternal perspective, right? It's not about now it's about what what we want this to look like in the future mm. and are we glorifying him is he being glorified in it so when i when things happen the relationship with christ is everything because it gives me the, the equipment and tools to see that situation uh for what it truly is in that moment as a spouse and as a dad, thank you for that encouragement. You just said, you said a lot of wonderful things there, Alan. And what stood out to me was the mention of the word culture in the house, the culture. We all, we talk often about a winning culture around a professional sports organization. We don't often reference a winning culture in the context of a household and a family. Uh, that really spoke to me. And I trust that much of what you just said spoke to those who are listening today as well. For this next one, uh, it might be something you already knew, 
that's been reinforced or perhaps a new revelation altogether. In the last year, in the last year <laughs> that we've all experienced, what is the most profound truth about the Lord that you have absorbed, that you've learned? Ooh, um, there can be a one and a one A if you'd like. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the one. Because <laughs> there's so many, you know, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many things that God, you know, has has revealed, um, you know, in this. And I and it's it's probably, you know, that there's a you know, there's a there's a scripture that says better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. elsewhere. And that just came to me because at the end of the day, like our external circumstances really uh, can be all over the place. But if I'm in the presence of the Lord, you know, if I'm in his presence, then uh, anything else and everything else really doesn't matter at the time. You know what I mean? It, it, it really is about what are you revealing? What are you doing in this moment with you? And, and it's, the scripture also talks about uh, if we delight in him, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Mm. And my, my biggest prayer has been, you know, for my kids and my family and for those who I just know, give us the desire that you want for us. Get, tell us one, you know, a lot of times, you know, people would come to Jesus and say, um, if you can heal me, if you can make me well. And he knew that he could, but I think that he was, he was testing the desire hmm. of someone, you know, and I think it's about, George, just give, give us the desire that you want from us. Give us what you want how you want us to, to glorify you and show us what that looks like. And you can only really know that if you truly intentional about spending time with them. Absolutely. Hmm. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Psalm 84, 10. And I hmm. believe, I believe the second Psalm you mentioned there is Psalm 37, four, if I'm not mistaken, right. I've got off the top yeah. of my head to delight in him. Uh, yeah. Incredible. Incredible. That's so true. Because one day today is uh, certainly not to be taken for granted. So yeah. thank you for reminding us of the preciousness of one day in, in his presence. Yeah. Be, and the be... preciousness of life. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's almost like you see, see, I'll be, I'll, I'm, you know, I'm 50 this year. Not yet. Right. Whoa. We're celebrating, as you said, 25 years of marriage. So this is a big year for me. And during this pandemic, I think it's the first time that I really truly thought about my mortality, hmm. not my immortality, but my mortality. Yes. Right. And I thought about it like, man, like what, 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 what would it really be like if I wasn't here? Like if I, I if Lord just took me. Yeah. You know, and I hadn't really thought about it in that depth until now. Um, until all this thing, and I, and I think it just made me really a, a appreciate um, the fragility of, of, of our life mm. and, um, and just appreciate everything uh, that, that, that he's done. 
Amen. Amen. Appreciation, gratitude. That's a good word, Alan. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And uh, may I be one of the first to wish you an early happy 50th birthday then? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure anybody could just look it up. What, What is the actual date of your 50th birthday? April 20th. April 20th. All right. So you got a couple yeah. months to go. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great club to be part of, by the way, I'm, I'm past yeah, that. Now. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking you. from experience, brother. I'm speaking from experience. Right. It's a great place to be <laughs> because you're, you're old enough to say I've been there, done that, but you're still yeah. young enough to know there's lots in front of you and you can right. take everything you've learned and apply it to the future. Praise right. God. And you, I love and you, that. And people are young enough to look at you and say, man, you don't look like you're in that club right now. <laughs> you are so kind. You are so kind. I appreciate that. <clears throat> when it comes to the overall fitness level, let's just say you've got the body of a model. And uh, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Alan, would you take a few moments right now <clears throat> to share how people can learn about what you're involved with? What are you involved yeah. with right now? Tell us whether it's Fizzle, uh, the Legacy Foundation, wh- whatever you want folks to know about, uh, a hashtag, yeah. Twitter handle, website, talk to us about that now. Here are the stage is yours. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, you've been so gracious, you know, Herb, into, into giving me this platform and partnering with me on a, a mission that was launched a long time ago. My father was my coach at the University of Tennessee. And what I learned from that is how precious and how important the relationship between a young person and a competent, caring uh, adult who can support them, right? We know what happens when that young person has that relationship, trusted uh, relationships. And for me, it started as like, really, let, how can we encourage and equip and, and a stronger, healthier relationship between a, uh, and a young man and his father? But then we started to understand that it's not just the young man and his father, it's, it's how uh, young people grow and develop. And so we started, we, we started Fizzle, which is an acronym for Faith, Integrity, Sacrifice, Leadership, and Legacy, right? And we started it at, to provide resources, platforms, workshops, um, camps, and just to encourage that relationship and use those five values as a framework and a tool uh, to help them grow uh, to help them live, like we said, that winning mindset and that lifestyle. So now uh, we have a whole digital platform. It's a life coaching community platform. Um, and it, you can go to the app now, Team Fizzle, on the App Store, um, and become part of the community. Uh, we're launching a membership program. But the other thing that's, that's cool is that our mission is to engage those relationships, equip them, inspire them, keep them motivated, and then outfit them. So we actually have a merchandising and an activewear uh, component to our brand now that we want the activewear to be an expression, right, of uh, those, those outer value, those values. Uh, mm. And, you know, we do have a, a, a partnership with the NBA, uh, with the global brand Payless. We have a Fizzle uh, uh, online store. Uh, we do have this... Um, and social justice collection. If people want yeah. to go to the online store, the website is fizzle, fizzle.com. F-I-S-L-L.com. Okay. F-I-S-L-L.com. And you'll you'll appreciate as a chaplain, the Raptors, that we do have a social justice collection to encourage uh again healthier economy in the black community, uh, and brown community. 
but uh, in that collection, we do have a partnership with the NBA and we have a message that says, love our game, value our lives. Mm-hmm. And we have Raptors, we have uh, Knicks, we have Lakers, we have Clippers, we have all these teams that are now uh, becoming a part of this social justice initiative. But again, Fizzle is, is, is a mission um, to just encourage healthy relationships uh, between young, young people and adults and, and provide a framework the same way that these five values are, are essentially Christ values that Christ exuded, right? Mm. And um, he gave us a, a blueprint. I always love when people say, you know, there's no book for fatherhood. There's no book for marriage. There's no playbook. Well, no, there is, right? <laughs> yes, we we know is. what the book is, right? We, we, we know what the book is and what it looks like. You know, it's the gospel. And and we so we do need a, a blueprint and a framework and in, in, in a, a sense that we just kind of, you know, took that blueprint and packaged it in a different way and put five values around it and, and gave it as a tool. And that's really what Fizzle is. Well, let me tell you something unequivocally here. I'm going to have to get me some of that Raptors <laughs> branded uh, um, outer expression of my inward <laughs> commitment. It's kind of like a wedding band, isn't it? It's kind of like a wedding band. It's an external yes. symbol of an internal commitment, yes. right? That's it. And, uh, That's it. Love our game, value our lives. It's such yeah. a huge statement. It's a profound yeah. statement, which should come naturally. Yeah. But it doesn't. So the conversation yeah. needs to continue. Yeah. And uh, on behalf of everyone listening, I'm sure I could say thank you for your commitment to ensuring this conversation evolves as time un- unfolds. It's just fantastic. So, yeah, put, yeah. put, put in an order for me and I'll, uh, the check is in the mail. Yes. Check is in the mail. <laughs> Alan, this has been an absolute delight. Your experience, your wisdom coming from the different spheres of life that you've been able to engage in from being a recruited high school player NCAA standout, NBA player, all-star, husband, dad, team executive. You've, you've lived so much. You've experienced so much in these 50 wonderful years of yours. Nearly 50, nearly 50 <laughs> wonderful years. of, And you have unpacked so much of it for us uh, here today. So I'm so grateful. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, Alan Houston. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Enjoy it. I always enjoy the conversation, the fellowship. You are very welcome, and the feeling is mutual. Folks, you've been listening to the Total Athlete Podcast, presented by Athletes in Action. For more information on how you can learn about developing the Total Athlete, In Canada, visit athletesinaction.ca and in the United States, visit athletesinaction.org.